Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. I am your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome an absolutely incredible sports person, Harsh Mankad. Harsh, welcome to the show. Thank you, Mr. Garg. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Harsh is the founder and president at Tennessee in the U.S., he has been India's number one men's player. He was the national collegiate champion, and he was the number one collegiate player in the US. He was also the national junior tennis champion, and he represented uh, India for, for the Davis Cup between 2001 and 2010. Harsh has played in all the major, grand, all the Grand Slam tournaments. And very interestingly, I must mention that he's from an incredibly illustrious family of sports people. His father, Ashok Mankad, played test matches for India. His mother, Nirupama Mankad, was India's number one uh, tennis player and the first woman to play at the first Indian woman to play at Wimbledon. And given my vintage, I have seen both your parents and I've read about them, etc. And they did some amazing things for, for our country. And uh, Harsh is also the grandson of cricket legend, Vinu Mankad. So, uh, Harsh, let's talk first about tennis for a few minutes and then we'll talk about tennis city. So, my first question to you is that given the genes of cricket and tennis in your blood, what made you select tennis when all your compatriots were probably playing cricket? <laughs> yeah, it's a question I get a lot. And, you know, growing up, I actually started cricket first. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember going on a trip with my family. My dad was doing a coaching assignment in Northern Ireland. Mm -hmm. And I was four years old. And, uh, you know, we went there during the summer. Dad was coaching and I was with him a lot. And I learned to play cricket. We have some photographs from, you know, mm -hmm. us playing cricket. And I really loved playing cricket as a child. Um, got into tennis a little later. Um, but I remember one conversation with my parents and I think I was eight years old mm. um, and they asked me, they said, uh, which sport do you want to pursue? You know, do you want to be a cricketer or a tennis player? And I remember saying, I want to be a cricketer. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that, um, you know, my dad was a little bit more keen that I pursue an individual sport. Mm -hmm. And I think it had to do uh, a little bit with his experience in uh, sort of the team setting. And he felt that in an individual sport like tennis, your results are very clear mm -hmm. and there's less room for, uh, you know, the, 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 maybe the selection of things uh, that, that, you know, you go through, uh, mm -hmm. through the cricketing journey. So that was very interesting. Uh, and my mom, of course, was a tennis coach and, you know, at the time was very active in coaching. So I had that opportunity to learn the game and spend a lot of time with her. My uncle was a tennis coach. My brother was you know, an, uh, an active tennis player. So the family was very in involved in tennis and I got into tennis and I really liked the, the physical activity of it, you know, mm -hmm. for, for the entire duration of the game, you're, you're moving, you're physically active mm -hmm. and it's a high skill sport. So definitely it was very challenging and, uh, you know, I really enjoyed playing and, uh, and got into more structured, I would say, tennis, mm -hmm. while I kept pursuing cricket, you know, with my friends and, and playing uh, sort of in our building. And sure. So, uh, I know we'll talk more about tennis city in a little while, but what was it like to train when you were playing tennis as compared to training now? 
Yeah, it's, um, you know, I think the, the fundamentals remain the same. Uh-huh. Um, we, you know, had to put in a lot of time uh, and do a lot of the fundamental drills. I mean, growing up, we spent a lot of time developing our stroke technique, working on our strokes, mm-hmm. building the consistency that you need in the game, the accuracy that you need, uh, the mindset, you know, to, to be uh, goal-driven, to have a purpose, to work hard. You understand that early in your life as a, as a sportsman, that I have to work for things and, and how I prepare really matters. So I think those are things that are, uh, are quite similar mm-hmm. to, to the journey now. Okay. Uh, what has changed over the time is the game has become at the more advanced levels. The game has become uh, more physical. And so the physical fitness of it, the power in the game, the stamina, uh, you know, that has changed and, and the athletes are much bigger and stronger. So that's one aspect that you have to start thinking, particularly if you're aiming for the highest level from a young age, yeah. even in your teenage years, you've got to start thinking of your, your skill, your game skill, but also the physicality of the game. Mm. Um, and, and the game has become very professional. Mm. So again, at the highest level, what it takes to succeed in terms of all of the pieces you need, the funding, the global travel, the professionalism of it mm. has really changed so much that there's a lot more to think about in terms of, and a lot goes into you know, developing a player. Very interesting. So uh, the next two questions I'm going to ask you, or next three, a question that I asked, Mahesh Bhupati also, who I spoke to about seven, eight months ago. And you have played at similar levels right at the very top. I'm not a sports person, but I often marvel at how, what kind of preparation goes in to playing a tennis match. You know, I'd love to get some perspective. Sure. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you want to get your mind and body mm-hmm. in the best possible shape to perform at your best. So when you, you know, you, you think about the body, the preparation, mm-hmm. the diet, you know, paying attention to, to the diet, eating well, making sure you're eating at the right intervals, you know, the energy part of it is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're playing a match, let's say in the morning around 10 o'clock, you want to be mindful of when you're having your breakfast, what, you know, what, what sort of is your routine to, to, mm-hmm. to uh, it, it, you know, fuel yourself for the match. Uh, so, and then I, I think rest is very important. So being very disciplined, having a good lifestyle, uh, it becomes critical to be able to perform at your best. And then mentally uh, preparing yourself for the match, you know, thinking about your game plan, who you're playing, what are their strengths, what are their weaknesses, how are you going to impose your strengths on the match? So it's a competitive environment. So you have to think that way and, and then prepare. So you have some clarity before you go on the court in terms of how you see the game plan um, developing. And, uh, and then just preparing yourself before the match mentally. I think different players have different routines. But uh, coming in, I always like you know, coming into the match with, with a degree of calmness. And it's almost like you know, you're trying to conserve your physical and mental energy and prepare it for the match, knowing that this match can, can be a long, uh, long battle. Mm-hmm. And can take a lot out of you. So, so every ounce of energy, mentally and physically, uh, counts. And how you prepare can make the difference in that third set or the fifth set, mm-hmm. or, or you know, in those tense tense moments when you need that little extra clarity in decision making or that little bit more trust. So, uh, it, you know, it's it's marginal, 
Mm. And a lot of the preparation makes a difference. Fascinating. And uh, as an aside, how important is superstition? I mean, I've known people who wear the same T-shirt or who wear, you know, carry some kind of a colored hanky in their pocket. Is that also something to just, uh, you know, handle the mind? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's about calming your mind down. And a lot of times when you're doing certain things that you feel are working, you keep keep on with that just so that, you know, it's, it's part of your routine. And it's one more thing that settles the mind and gives you that inner belief and inner trust. And you can focus on sort of, uh, you know, the match or executing your strokes. So I remember in college when I won the national title, mm-hmm. um, we, had, we were playing in Texas and uh, my coach, me, would, would come up to the club every day. And, uh, you know, I was not seated in the tournament, but I kept progressing. And when we got to the final, we came into the parking lot and the, the spot that we park in was open and the parking lot was quite full, but that one spot was open. And we, you know, would park the car every day in that one spot. So it became a bit of a superstition, but also a good luck charm. Oh, absolutely. You know, so, and then you, you sort absolutely. of feel like, okay, yeah. things are, are going to go well. <laughs> absolutely. So uh, one more question, uh, you know, on, on, you know, for players who've been at your level, uh, you're traveling, you're playing, you're traveling, you're playing. How are you getting your body to adjust to the fatigue of travel, get ready for the match, then travel again? Yeah, it's something we do from a young age. So you get used to it. Mm-hmm. You know, I started traveling internationally at the age of uh, 13. Mm-hmm. We were representing India. We went to Hong Kong. That was my first international mm-hmm. trip playing for the country. Then we went to Japan. And then as I got into uh, you know, the, the 15, 16, we're traveling across Asia, playing a lot of junior tournaments, then to Europe. So travel is part of the excitement okay. and part of the life of tennis. And so we uh, actually love it. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of tennis players love to travel and see the world. And I think that excitement, um, you know, keeps the energy going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's very much part of the circuit. I think as you travel a lot and sometimes you you know, I remember flying long distances from the US to Japan landing and then you're maybe playing a match the next day. So you feel like you need to go right away to the courts to get a little hit in, to get mm-hmm. acclimatized to the conditions. So imagine getting off a 12, 13 hour flight and then taking your bags and maybe just dropping it off at the hotel, but you're mm-hmm. on the court within two hours mm-hmm. and you're trying to get a practice in. So um, I think that's part of the resilience and physical toughness that it takes to succeed on the tennis tour mm. um, and, I, and I, over time you you become aware of your body and again your mind as well and you learn to make adjustments so if you're feeling tired you're feeling down you know a little bit low on energy you might adjust your your schedule maybe rest that evening play the next day if possible so that's how you you kind of have to manage things but very much part of the part of uh, all that it takes to to succeed in tennis. Amazing. So, Harsh, now let's move to your venture, Tennis City. Tell me about this venture and what are you doing here and what, what were the objectives of setting it up? Now, I've spent my whole life in tennis as a player, always striving for excellence. And uh, my parents and family after, you know, my parents, after they got done playing, they, they went into coaching. So it was about developing others. 
And my grandfather, Vinumankar too, was, you know, after he got done with his professional cricket career, he was into coaching as well and ran cricket uh, coaching programs in Mumbai. And so did my grandfather, my mother's father, George Vasan, was a Davis Cup player and then a coach wow. and was a national level coach. So mm-hmm. our family over the last three generations have been athletes and then we've been in coaching. And so after my professional career, mm-hmm. uh, I really found my passion in coaching and sharing everything that I learned mm-hmm. to develop other players. And, uh, and, and so Tennessee is, is born out of that uh, lifelong interest in uh, sports and tennis and developing others. Uh, the, the company was launched in uh, 2016, so about five years ago. Mm-hmm. And it has evolved, but always stayed true to the focus of uh, improving the standards of player development. And now, uh, over the last few years, as the tennis program has been growing, uh, really delivering a positive culture of developing players. So encouraging them, focusing on participation, and thinking big picture about the benefits of sport throughout the life of a person. So it's not just about winning and becoming a professional or winning championships. It's about really trying to uh, grow the sport, get a lot of kids playing, enjoying the sport, and benefiting from all that sport has to offer uh, throughout our life. Amazing. Amazing. And you started Tennessee uh, initially as an online platform. What were your thoughts then? And then we'll talk about uh, your making it a physical academy as well. Right. So I spent a few years after my tennis, I got into coaching. I was leading a program. And then I went back to business school and spent a few years uh, in, in uh, doing my master, in my MBA. And during that time with a, uh, with a classmate of mine, we were thinking about who, who also had a tennis background. Mm-hmm. We got this idea of building a, an online platform that essentially would help to um, uh, organize the communication and training of each player. So you think mm-hmm. of a player playing in an academy, you know, you're, you've got your coaches, um, your parents, and we built this platform with tools that would help to uh, systematically organize all of the communication. So their mm-hmm. training plans, their training videos, their match results, bring it all together and help them to learn from this information and keep progressing in their tennis. Okay. So that was the initial start. And after a few years of doing it, uh, the, you know, I, I evolved more into getting closer to the player again, mm-hmm. getting back on the court, growing coaching programs. And so now Tennessee is really a tennis program, uh, grassroots coaching, which is growing in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I'm also working with some competitive level players at the school and college level. I travel uh, quite often to India and, mm-hmm. and do camps there. And so we're supporting players there. And the tech piece of it has you know, become a smaller part. But we use that same methodology or way of thinking of having a plan mm-hmm. uh, for your development. It's not just about playing. It's about you know, thinking through that uh, systematic plan for improvement, which I believe helped me a lot in my career. Incredible. And now you are coaching over 300 people. Uh, My question is, what goes into making a tennis champion? So, yeah, if you're talking about elite level sport and, you know, at the highest level, whether it's uh, succeeding at the national level in in the juniors 
or in collegiate uh, level, which a lot of junior players are aspiring to getting to the division one college level um, and then beyond playing professional tennis. There's a lot of pieces that go into developing a player. It's, it's hard work uh, from the team. It's a lot of hours on the court. Uh, in tough conditions. So this is a very tough uh, job to say, you know, because I've been a player and as a player, of course, uh, you're working very hard, but you're focused on, on your journey. As a coach or as someone involved in player development, it's all about others. And you have to be thinking about all the other players. How do you motivate them? How do you encourage them? What are their specific strengths and weaknesses and where do they need mm. that uh, that further boost. But broadly, I think you need very good tennis coaching so mm -hmm. that you have solid technique, uh, that your technique is not limiting you at higher levels. Um, you need a good development plan in terms of your skill progressions. And then uh, fitness that we, we touched on, the mental side of the game becomes very important. Uh, so, uh, and then nutrition. So all these aspects have to come together as a whole and you've got to continue to uh, encourage and support the player with all of these pieces over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. This is a journey that you know, a lot of players may start at the age of seven and eight. And you're, you're, you know, you're really looking at 10, 15 years of that sustained amount of focus and commitment. Um, so, so there's a lot that goes into it. And, mm -hmm. uh, and nowadays with the level that there is in the sport, you really need to bring the very best to the player to keep moving them to the next level. Incredible. So I've got two more questions relating to tennis and tennis city. Uh, you know, you said you have run camps in India as well. Or you come here from an India perspective. We used to have far more recognizable and big tennis names uh, till as recently as Leander Pace, etc. And maybe I'm getting old, or maybe we don't have such high profile names any longer. But what is happening? You know, for, for years, I've always heard that with so many years, starting with the Amritraj brothers, and, you know, now we'll have a floodgate of tennis champions coming out, but that hasn't happened. What is not happening in India? Yeah, so it's, it's interesting. You know, I grew up in the 80s and 90s. And so many of the stars of tennis uh, were from the 60s and 70s. You know, the Amritraj Oh, and then brothers, you were there. You, you were at international levels, yeah. But before that generation, that generation, um, you know, during the time of Beyond Borg and McEnroe, we had some players, again, a few players. So it's not that India was, you know, producing a pipeline of players. Mm -hmm. There were a few tennis players playing at the highest level. Mm -hmm. And um, it's interesting what happened after that, because, you know, throughout our history, if you, if you take a bigger look over the last 50, 60 years, there's still just a handful of tennis players, right, who've made it to the highest level of the game. But 99.9% um, of your talent has not reached that level. So the question is, as, as you're asking, why? Yeah. And you know, it's not one thing, but I, but I think that as the game of tennis changed also in the 80s, a lot of hardcore tennis came in. Mm -hmm. You know, we traditionally, our style of tennis in India was more grass court based. It was a finesse ga based game, a lot of feel and finesse and 
a mind, using your mind to strategize. And once the hardcore tennis came in, in the 80s, 90s, the game became much more powerful. So the fitness side of it became um, more prominent. The technique also changed. Uh, so, so those things happened. The game became very professional. Mm-hmm. The tour also became very global. So at a time in the 60s, 70s, you could play tournaments in India and play against some top talent in the world. Mm-hmm. By the time it came to 90s, 2000, you had to travel mostly out of India to play. So the economics also changed. And to pursue a tennis career uh, to, you know, uh, professionally, the, the economics, I think, became very, very difficult for, uh, for any Indian family. And without a, a strong system, uh, and when I talk about system, whether it's at the city level or state level or national level, without a system that was nurturing and developing players, including funding them and investing in them, it became very, very difficult. Okay. So only a few, you know, when you, when you speak of Leander Pays, this is a player who won a junior Grand Slam. He was mm. the number one junior in the world. Absolutely. And the same with um, Sanya and, uh, you know, the, this is very high level of junior talent. Correct. Uh, exceptional. So they're on a very high trajectory anyways. Mm. And they were able to pursue the sport uh, with, through a lot of uh, family initiative too, mm. to reach out and get support and to continue this journey. But again, to expect your talent to be at that level you know, most of your talent is not going to be at that level at 17, 18. Doesn't mean they don't have the potential. You know, a lot of the American juniors, for example, that are breaking through at the professional level or any country, you look at the UK, uh, the US, Australia, um, a lot of their juniors aren't, aren't necessarily the best of the best in the world in juniors. Um, they're maturing at different ages, but there's a system there to support them through those years, mm. through the teenage years, through the transition phase, you know, the early 20s, and then they're breaking through at 22, 23, 24. Mm. So, so you really need a system, you know, and unfortunately in tennis, we haven't had that. We've had that in cricket because cricket, we are, you know, we have a totally different setup, culture. We have many kids playing. The economics of the sport are very different. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you play for your high school team. My dad recently talked about it. He played for his school team in Bombay. Mm-hmm. Got into the state level. Got into the Ranji team. Started playing nationally. Got into the test team. Mm-hmm. And that journey is very systematic. And once you get into your state team, and once you start getting into the national team, your funding is taken care of, right? You're, you're, you're part of the Indian national team. So you don't have to worry about you know, spending for your ticket to go to the West Indies and play and spend three months there and figure out how are you going to keep yourself going. In tennis, you do. You need to think about how am I going, you know, where is the funding coming from? Mm. And so I think it's very, very different. And I think the challenge of becoming a tennis player from India is huge Mm. and largely um, not well understood. You know, uh, now it's changing. I think the India in the last five years or so, and we can talk about that, uh, is changing with the amount of now focus and support that's going into sport. But to try to become, uh, you know, a, a, a tennis player, like I said, and to be able to put all of these resources together to pursue it as a career is a monumental task. And most of my peers, 
went into other fields because they quick they recognized mm. that this was going to be almost impossible to do so only the very top talent and those that could bring some support were able to pursue it the rest of the talent really went into other fields and they're excelling in other fields you look at finance you look at you know corporate uh, in india and you in the us you look at a number of fields you'll find tennis players who grew up playing tennis in india succeeding leading organizations so these are individuals very driven very capable unfortunately they weren't able to take their talent very you know to that highest level in tennis mm. they went into other fields fascinating so harsh we're going to be running out of time i'm i'm going to ask you one last question and uh, that is that every sport has got a lot of technology coming in to support the sports people what is happening with technology in tennis yeah so so technology has different uh, facets to it you uh, you have the fan experience so at the highest level again uh, you know there's technology on the court as you can see us open now didn't have lines lines people you know mm. the the technology was calling the lines and right. so maybe it's made it a little bit more accurate um there there are aspects of how they present the sport on tv that make it more engaging so there is that piece there is the piece of analytics that the top players are using to learn more about their game to learn about the opponents to strategize to continue to develop um there's a lot of video based information that you can see your match now even if you're playing at the college level or at the you know lower levels of the tour you can see yourself you can learn so those are all improvements in technology um and then at the grassroots level really it's um you, you know i i'm finding that it's it's you know the the environment is simple and that human connection is very important mm-hmm. so you know at that level you don't really need a lot of technology in my opinion you need to connect with the player right. so as coaches we're getting to know the player we're connecting to them we're trying to inspire and motivate them create a positive environment for them to learn the game mm-hmm. so uh, and then also it's a personality thing even at the professional level some players like a lot of analytics and data and like to learn and others try to keep it simple mm-hmm. and they can see things and instinctively learn so it's a very personal thing on how you want to use technology um you know like anything there needs to be a clear purpose okay. and it needs to fit well into the environment and if it's moving you forward in your objective um you know that's uh, that's a win win fascinating arsh thank you very much it's been such a privilege speaking to you i mean you know i was really looking forward to this conversation to talk to you and you know i was so fascinated with such an incredible family and you said three generations of sports people and that also right at the very top thank you for taking me through your tennis journey and thank you for telling me everything about tennis city good luck to you and uh, i hope to stay in touch thank you so much it was a pleasure to be on your show thank you Thank you for listening to the brand called You video cast and podcast. A platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.